This short code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at MedEdMedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the short code podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews by students for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcode.com. Welcome back to the Short Coat Podcast. It's a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Etler. With me today, it's a lady cast. <laughs> With Emma Barr. Hi. Miranda Skeen. Hello. Allison Clemish. Hi. And noob Jenna Mullins. <laughs> Hi. All first years. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you've joined us, Jenna. Thank you. Yeah. What brings you here? Sorry, I'm interrupting because I need to congratulate Dave on his award that he got for Outstanding Staff Member Thank you. I have to say, I wasn't there. I wasn't there. I don't know if I was supposed to... I have... I knew that I was nominated, okay? <laughs> and I was very excited to be nominated. And then somebody sent me, I think it was Irisa sent, sent me a, a Snapchat or something or an Instagram message or something mm-hmm. that said I won something. And I was like, shoot, because I really would have loved to have been there to bask in my moment of glory. <laughs> yeah, um, we were waiting for you to give a speech, but then you just never came up to the stage. No, we were all very sad. Well, they don't make people give speeches. Thomas gave their yeah, speech. Yeah, yeah. What did he say? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> What did he? I want to know what he said. It was to, all good things. I'm yeah. sure. I have to wait for the DVD. Anyway, I'm so grateful. Um, it was very nice of of, of uh, y'all. I'm not going to ask you which one each of you voted for, but it had better be. It better have been me. <laughs> no, I'm very grateful. Um, thank you, um, Jenna. Yes. What brings you here? Peer pressure. Peer pressure. <laughs> this is the most often given answer for for a noob. On the show, but uh, I don't care what brings you here. I'm I'm glad you're here. Um, where did you? What did you do before uh, med school? Um, so I came here straight from undergrad. Um, but over the summer, I was working uh, in like healthcare administration oh, okay. um, in Chicago. Oh, cool. Well, uh, no matter where you came from, no matter why you're here, welcome to the show. Glad you glad you can join us. Um, glad to be here. Before we continue, I want to let you know that today's show has a sponsor for charity, Common Bond. I will talk about them more later in the show. Um, I have a question, though, from listener Tim. He's, his question is about the disadvantaged med school applicant status. Let's hear Tim's question. My name is Tim, and I've been listening to the podcast for a few weeks now. Before I ask my question, I just wanted to say that the podcast is awesome. Oh. Keep Aww. up the great work. What insights do you have for students who are considering applying to med school as a disadvantaged applicant? While I would consider myself somewhat disadvantaged because my parents are immigrants with limited education and have struggled financially for a number of years. I hesitate to call myself disadvantaged because I feel like my upbringing was quite comfortable. However, I'm also the type of person who is easily content with what I have so maybe my life could be considered hard but I just don't see it that way. Haha. <laughs> I'm not sure what counts as being disadvantaged. Also, are there pros and cons to applying as a disadvantaged applicant or are there only pros? Or, God forbid, only cons? Google offered some answers, but I wanted to see if the short coat team had some better insider knowledge. Thanks for everything you do. Uh, yeah, that static there is because um, I'm using freeware to record your... your <laughs> oh, good. For a second there, I thought our, Satan had written into the text, show. <laughs> your text-to-speech version of your question because I'm a cheap son of a bitch. Anyway. Well, we all knew that. <sighs> yeah. I love it when, my, I love it when my, my production values just sort of come out in the show. Um, uh, any any of you guys uh, have anything at all to contribute about this question? Did you consider yourself coming from disadvantaged? Did you apply as disadvantaged? Do you? I, you don't have to 
say. When yeah. I, mean, I want it's to a comment topic because I'm definitely not what this person would consider disadvantaged. I kind of have a little bit of an objection with that terminology because it kind of implies that. And obviously there are things where it's like you get societal advantages, you have societal disadvantages. But in terms of like internalizing those on a med school application, I'm not totally sure I agree with that, because when you say like, oh, you know, I'm disadvantaged instead of like I've had disadvantages, it just sort of lends this sort of. And I, do, I really do hesitate to say self-pity angle because that's not where I'm coming from. I just mean to say that I feel like saying that sort of internalizes the fact that like some people are advantaged or some people are disadvantaged. No, the fact is just that everyone has had different struggles and some people have had more obstacles than others. So here's another way to look at it, though. There, med schools, or at least, uh, you know, like I don't know if this applies to every med school, but, but med schools might want people from... Um, from disadvantaged backgrounds because it provides a more full, um, varied class of, uh, or group of applicants for, a, for a given year. Yeah. I mean, I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. And I think like the better you can frame it as like, well, these are some, you know, challenges I've had to overcome. And that like kind of lends credence to you being like, you've brought a unique perspective mm -hmm. to the school. I think that's a big thing to, to look out for is like, what are the things that you've encountered in your life that are unique and that you can bring to the school? Fair enough. I definitely agree with that from like a show don't tell kind of standpoint, like mm -hmm. in your interview, it might like or sorry, in like your personal statement or however you're uh, kind of talking about this, it's better to say like, oh, like uh, one thing that I think I handled well was like coming from this background or one thing that uh, was a challenge that I like adapted to was this instead of saying like, oh, I'm disadvantaged. I think it just it might be like you're able to kind of tell things about yourself, about like what kind of adaptable or like resilient person you are in that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a, so this is one of those uh, squishy categories of applicants. that's difficult to um, sort of pin down what, what is disadvantaged status? I mean, basically I think the only meaningful thing I can say about it is that, you know, the disadvantaged applicant is one who, um, one who uh, comes from, uh, socioeconomic status that uh, that um, might put them in a disadvantaged class of students also could become from um, medically underserved areas. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, what you need to do, Tim, to determine whether or not that's you is go look at those guidelines that the AAMC offers and figure out whether that applies to you. Um, there are two ways that the AMCLASS application deals with this. Um, Number one, it asks you for information about your parents' education and your parents' occupations. So that's number one. Um, from that, there is an indicator that appears, I believe, um, for med schools that says this person might be in a disadvantage, you know, a disadvantaged student. So the other thing that it does is it asks you, are you disadvantaged? And then it asks you to provide a sort of a, I don't know explanation or some sort of information, um, a paragraph, or I think it's like 1500 words or something like that about why you consider yourself a disadvantaged applicant. The bottom line is the bottom line that med schools are looking for is, um, you know, truth, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, that's true for every part of your application truth. Um, so perhaps the temptation to embellish, thinking that this will sort of give you an advantage, um, probably should be avoided. Um, are there pros and cons? Um, yeah. I don't know if it's, I don't know if that's the right way to think about it. You know, you either are or you aren't Yeah. based on the guidelines, based on your uh, contribution to that question about why are you disadvantaged? Um, you've got to make that case. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to think about it. It's instead of being like, oh, it's a pro or a con that I came from this background. It's like those questions and those things are just context yeah. for what you have done. So it's like if you come from like a disadvantaged, like low SES or, you know, low educated parents, something like that, that just adds context to your actions yeah. as a person. And then that's a different context for someone who comes from a higher SES or yeah. someone who has, you know, two doctors as parents. So it's like it's all because like you... 
again, you kind of get evaluated sort of differently based on that because what they're looking for is context and then tell them who you are as a person within that context. Um, yeah, I think the only con would be if for some reason you claimed that and and, you and you're, yeah, you were just out and out lying. Mm. That mm -hmm. said, you know, if you feel, if you truly feel that you are of, uh, in, that you fit into that disadvantaged class, then, you know, consider claiming it because med schools want to, um, they want, you know, they, they want a well-rounded class. They don't want just a bunch of rich people in school. Diversity yeah. is really important. Yep. For yeah. like, for the class to learn from each other and yep. like the diverse pr patients you're going to serve. Okay. So, and even like in our, we have some kind of ethics, small groups and talking with my classmates about different topics. We come from different backgrounds and it really opens your eyes to see different, um, how people like interpret things differently. Like we had to do a, make a pain contract, like where you get, mm -hmm. um, if someone's going to start opioids and that like brought up a lot of issues in my group about how we, um, approach that subject, I guess. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's an important part of becoming mm -hmm. a physician is sort of examining you, mm -hmm. yourself, where you come from, what kind of attitudes you have. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, just making sure that, you know, you're taking into, into account the big picture of humanity, basically, and not just, yeah. not just where you personally come from. Yeah. Um, There's also not like a check mark for like, I am advantaged or I am disadvantaged. Yeah. Like everyone, like even people that are disadvantaged will have different check boxes. It's like, well, why? Because of this reason, this reason, this reason. So and you're like, not talking about literal check boxes on the application. You're just talking about like yeah. what it means to be. Do. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm actually kind of talking about both. There's no, oh, like, okay. cause you were, you mentioned like lie or I guess I did like mentioned lying on the, I can't just be like, haha, I will claim this. It's yes. Like, no, that's and not how bam, I'm in, you know, yeah. that's not, that's not how it works. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was so interesting that they considered like medically underserved to be disadvantaged. Yeah. It's something I've never thought about before. Like I'm from small town, Iowa, and I have never considered myself disadvantaged, but according to the little chart that they send you with your application, I'm in like a medically underserved County. Um, so I don't know. That was just like something I hadn't considered before. That was interesting. So, uh, yeah, Tim, uh, the other thing I wanted to say is always, always, always when we talk about this stuff and, and applications and getting into med school, always reach out to your med schools that you want to apply to, or that you're thinking about apply to, or just reach out to whoever med school you want and ask them these questions. Um, you don't necessarily, I mean, I love when people write in to questions for the short code podcast, but we are not the be all and end all, um, for any of these questions. So definitely reach out to admissions. Um, if they don't want to answer your question, well, then you've found something uh, interesting about, about that school and you can use that into your, you can put that into your calculations as to whether you even want to apply. Mm -hmm. Um, but I suspect that most schools will be happy to entertain the question and give you some information and maybe give you some guidance on, on, um, what they're looking for. Every school is different. So thanks for your question. Keep us posted on what you decide and you, how that goes for you. Um, I've got another listener question from Mike. Mike's a uh, certified medical lab tech. Um, but first he wanted us to know that he can confirm some of the things we talked about on our last episode when we discussed the current trend of three-year MD programs. Uh, the university he works for has such a program focused on family medicine. Uh, they only have two students currently enrolled in that program. Um, they do their rotations only in areas that pertain to family medicine, and they are auto accepted into the family medicine residency at that school if they complete the program. He says their program cites exceptional maturity and drive as primary qualities they look for applicants. So that sort of lines up with what we were, we were saying. So I'm glad you wrote in and confirmed that. Um, thanks Mike. And you also had a question, uh, related to that sort of, so here we go. Hi, short coats. I am wanting to finish my BS in medical laboratory science and sit for the MLSASCP certification, which sets me up to do very well in the basic science portion of medical school and gives me <laughs> an advantage on interpreting lab results and pathologist reports. But I am not sure if I want to stay in the pathology world or go into family medicine. Which areas would you choose and why? And if you knew you were going into a specific specialty such as family med, would you rather do an accelerated program and jump into it or would you rather have time to think over your choices? And do you know of many lab techs in your program that went on to become physicians? It would be great to hear from them on their perspective on the transition. 
Thanks for reading my rambling. And be nice to the laboratory professionals who help you make most of your clinical decisions. Up to 70% or more medical decisions are made on our results. Yeah. That's fair. Thank you. That seems, yeah. that seems very reasonable, Mike. A reasonable request. <laughs> be you. nice to your lab. <laughs> Thank you, lab technicians everywhere. Yes. We salute he's, you. He's asking the million dollar question, though, about what what do you want to go into? Yeah, yeah I know. We're, we're laughing because I know that Allison has uh, an interest in family med. So, yeah, um, I definitely I came in here thinking I wanted to, wanted to do family med still um, thinking about doing family med. Um, I also like. I appreciate your question so much, but I personally feel like a four-year program is an accelerated program. Yeah, <laughs> so I don't know that I'm the best person to answer that question. Well, it's also yeah. funny because you talked about pathology and we're learning like so much pathology right now. Mm -hmm. I think everybody's drowning in it. Yeah, right. you caught us at a really good time to talk about pathology. And like, I feel like if you have a lab tech certification, you would have a lot of fun in this unit because you would just get to laugh at everyone's pain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I actually, part of the question I think was talking about deciding between pathology and family med yeah, or yeah, other right. specialties. Okay. Good, thank you. Mark. And like, I think the, at least for those two specialties, I feel like the biggest determinant is how much do you like interacting with patients? Because pathologists yeah. get very little and family med gets a ton. So like, I mean, obviously with other specialties, there's going to be different considerations. Sorry, I just like smacked Jen in the face. But um, <laughs> She deserved it. She was sitting there looking real, real smackable. Speak up more. Anyway, um, but yeah, so that I think, and honestly... You can have an indication of whether you want to do that now. But for me, at least, I kind of came into med school. And again, um, like I came into med school thinking I really wouldn't like the patient interacting. Like I'm definitely kind of an introverted heart. And I didn't really think I was going to like that. And then actually that's turning out to be one of my favorite parts is doing like the patient interviews. Um, so actually I'm kind of like re-evaluating yeah. some of that. Mm -hmm. And so that for me at least I would feel kind of not super confident going into a program or my options. And part of this is my personality because I am very indecisive. But I personally would not want to go into that kind of program because if like halfway through you're like, oh, wait, I don't actually think this is the best fit for me, then you're kind of locked in. It gives you're you not, less though. I mean, just, just to be clear, you're not locked into most of these programs. If you decide to decelerate, you do have some time to make that determination. Okay. Um, at least that's my understanding. I'm not a scholar on three-year programs, mm -hmm. but that's what I've read. Okay. Well, neither am I, so... <laughs> Yeah, I've definitely been feeling the draw of pathology, especially I just like maybe failed our last patient interaction <laughs> test. Nice. No. I like, I'm never going to work with patients ever again. <laughs> well, not necessarily, but pathology is super interesting. I think you, yeah, I, like you mentioned in your question, uh, like there's just a lot of things riding on the results from the pathology lab and uh I don't know. I think it's very exciting. Yeah. So yeah. I think pathology is cool too because it's almost like detective work as well. Mm -hmm. But I think that's, I was going to say that I think that's like a link between PATH and family med is like family med is really like part of it is like triaging all these patients yeah. that are coming in. Some of them might have, you know, like a cold or they could have lung cancer or like whatever, you know? Yeah. And so you, <laughs> you have to like triage and find the little things that make them different like you would mm -hmm. in PATH, just like you're looking at different things, right? Yeah, I feel like they are like actually kind of similar, except for the it's patients. A, I mean, it's it's like yeah. I mean, that's the <laughs> that seems like the big difference mm -hmm. from the outside looking in is patient interaction versus non-patient mm -hmm. interaction. But you're both detectives in the sense that you know you're just looking at different kinds of evidence, basically. Right. So. so I came in to medical school like with a strong interest in family medicine, and then we started learning pathology. I was like, oh, this is really cool. You like pattern recognition and stuff. But then we had to. Um, uh, what's it called? Tour the pathology labs, yeah. and the mm -hmm. first things I noticed were one, there's no windows; two, <laughs> nobody's talking to each other or very little; and three, you can't eat in there. So I'm like, oh, no. maybe not. <laughs> and it's loud and cold. Yeah. I love being outside. I like talking to people, and I like eating. So I mean, I would argue you can't eat in the clinical suites either. But, <laughs> but like in, in your desk or at your okay, desk. Okay, at your stuff. desk. <laughs> well, you can't eat. Well, you think pathologists don't get desks? Don't they have desks? But like, you can't eat well in the lab. That's so funny. The lab. You don't spend your whole time and sorry i have to get defensive here as for the phd side of me is being like no wait but I, there's a thing but this is like almost a tv trope right where yeah. where the, the you've got the pathologist like munching on a sandwich while he's <laughs> doing an autopsy or whatever you know well because like most of the detective work will be done like on a computer where presumably you have an office okay, and true. and like 
I imagine one of the hot dog roller things that you have in the corner of your. <laughs> just like, oh. That's it a was good funny idea. Though. When we when we toured the lab, it was like one section with all the equipment where they were sampling everything, and then another section with like kind of cubicles. I don't know. Yeah, I'm I assuming yeah. they have like offices too, but they had cubicles there with like microscopes and computers. And we walk in, and everyone like looks up. Yeah. <laughs> People, yeah. humans. I've, the oh, legends no. are true. Oh, no. <laughs> I think Such that a bad picture. I'm sorry, pathologists. You're great, and I love you. They do the important work. They really know? do. That's. I, I think there is a lot to be said that we have to go through all these uh, core clerkships and kind of sample yeah. the different mm-hmm. uh, things. Because like right now, as an M1, like I can say like, oh, I think I love family med because of whatever. But like, I, and I think I would, but you don't really know until you've been there. And I don't know mm-hmm. that like if you're pretty sure it's the right fit, then probably. But what if you fall in love with like dermatology? Yeah. I don't know. And also like kind of sampling them multiple times, like in our curriculum, we circle back through mm-hmm. things. So like the first time we learned cardiology and pul- pulmonology, I really hated it. Like I was like, oh, I just wish we didn't have lungs and hearts. But now, that, <laughs> now that we're going back through it, I kind of like it better. So mm-hmm. yeah, your perspective changes over time with and with exposure. Mm-hmm. So uh, Mike, I don't think we've provided you with any... <laughs> Like we haven't answered your question even a little bit, but you gave us a lot of entertainment. There's a, I mean, yeah, you just gotta, yeah, I think the downside potentially of choosing a three-year program is you have to come in knowing exactly what you want. And yes, you can, you can sort of change tracks, but, um, you know, I guess why would you, there, you know, these schools are really prioritizing, as you said, maturity and a drive to do that thing, that one thing or that small set of specialties, family medicine, primary care. Um, and if you come in and you're like, not sure whether you want to do primary care, then don't, you know, don't do a three-year track. Yeah. Like, um, d- don't put yourself through the stress unless you're certain that it's worth it. Cause it is, a, I mean, I would assume based on some of the things we talked about last week and how you have to do classes while you do clerkships, for instance, in the TT HSU uh, system, um, that it's got to be yeah, yeah. Really it's gotta be tough yeah. yeah which there's a lot to love about family men <laughs> sorry i actually kind of want to pull back on the comment i just made about being certain because no you're never going to be certain but fairly certain sorry well, i don't i don't want to imply that like you have to know because you never will i right? mean yeah but i mean I, that's some of the criticism that others have or not even criticism but just observations people more smarter than us have made in terms of you know you have to you know, you have to know that that's what you, some people come into med school and they know what I, I've met people who came in and they knew they wanted to be CT surgeons like from mm-hmm. childhood and they became CT surgeons. So I'm not going to, you know, say that it's impossible to yeah. know what it is you want to do. I just think that the vast majority of med students come into med school not knowing exactly what they want to be when they grow up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so good on you, Mike. Thanks for your question. Appreciate that. And thank you for your service. Yes. (laughs) I want to take a short break to say that support for the Shortcode Podcast charitable mission comes from the sale of t-shirts and other merchandise at theshortcode.com slash store and a sponsorship from Common Bond, an education finance company that wants to help med students save money on medical school. Common Bond is now offering a medical school loan with rates lower than the federal grad plus flexible repayment options and protections like forbearance so you can press pause on payments for up to 12 months. Pretty sweet. All that, and they don't even require a cosigner. Common Bond is also committed to impacting social good. Every time they fund a loan, they also fund the education of a child in the developing world through their social promise. I would encourage you to learn more about Common Bond's new medical school loan by visiting commonbond.co slash scp. Uh, Just a reminder, listeners, that our sponsors are helping us make money for the National Alliance on Mental Illness, so it's important that you go check them out to make uh, them aware that their sponsorship is worthwhile to them. Uh, Really appreciate that. Guys, we know that anti-vaxxers aren't playing with a full Uh, scientific scientific deck. Uh, These guys again. The movement relies on a fraudulent study long since refuted, conspiracy theories about Big Pharma, and of course, the Brady Bunch. Um, anti-vax activists apparently have been using a 1969 episode of the show to prove that measles isn't a serious illness. The episode featured all Brady kids, all the Brady kids coming down with measles. Do you guys know about the Brady Bunch? Yeah, yeah of course they okay. do. There's a story, <laughs> do, 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 right? Yeah. Yeah, I can, I can <laughs> Sort of, but... <laughs> <laughs> and like all the 
have pictures and they're looking yeah. up and down. Yeah. <laughs> the like background. Yeah. This episode, the episode in question featured all the Brady kids coming down with the measles and the children pretty pleased that they got to stay home from school playing board games, generally looking pretty chipper. Uh, here's a, Oh, I wanted to. Here's a great source of scientific knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, uh, the, the money line uh, that people always point to is, uh, is, is uh, delivered by Marsha Brady, played by Maureen McCormick, um, in which she says, it's not that big a deal. This is great. You know? Um, and Marsha, uh, played by, or, and Maureen McCormick, who played Marsha, is pissed. She told NPR this week that she'd gotten measles in real life. It wasn't fun. She's had her daughters vaccinated. Even the creator of the show, Sherwood Schwartz, had immun immunized all his children, too, according to his son. So, stop it! Good <laughs> you, God! You know what? This this is kind of not relevant to the discussion at hand, but this kind of reminds <laughs> me, this whole, like, taking screenshots of a show, it kind of reminds me, I was... I fell down a YouTube rabbit hole and I found this thing where people are apparently taking screenshots from one of Bill Nye's old shows where mm -hmm. he talks about like, I think he talks about chromosomes and he talks about probability and kind of conflating those to be like, well, Bill Nye said that there's only two genders. Look. And then they like faked screenshots of it. Oh yeah. For and God's so, sake. Yeah. It's like to a certain extent, it's like if someone is using, you know, old TV shows in order to prop up their point. That's how you can tell that it's a weak plot point because they can't actually find any like scientific data. So they have to be yeah. like, the Brady Bunch told me that measles is fine. And yeah. I don't care what doctors say. It's absurd. I believe yeah. these fictional characters. Um, well, I don't know. Thanks for standing up for uh, scientific rigor. <laughs> uh, Maureen McCormick, Marsha Brady. It's, yeah. it's well yeah. appreciated. Well, it's nice to know that there are people in the public sphere that are like, hey, listen, guys, stop being idiots. You know, context does kind of matter here. In 1969, apparently the threat from measles uh, wasn't was the same or mm -hmm. or worse today because they, we didn't have a, a vaccine. I think. No, we did have a vaccine at that point, um, but it wasn't it hadn't been. It was only a few years out Yeah. Um, that that became available. Um, meanwhile, the threats from things like smallpox and polio was actually, you know, greater than the threat from, from measles. Mm -hmm. um, so it wasn't as big a, you know, measles wasn't as much on the radar as things like smallpox and polio. We had a long experience with, with all of these things, but smallpox and polio were much, you know, seemed like much more serious diseases. Mm. Um, and it was only in 1994 that polio was eradicated in the Americas. So it seems like forever that we haven't had to deal with these things, but yeah, we still do. It's kind of similar to, you know, now the flu shot where people and including me, I only kind of found out how bad flu could be a couple of years ago. But it was like, you know, when you think of flu as like, oh, you kind of get achy and feel kind of lethargic. And then it turns out, no, like flu can kill you. Yeah, That's well, the, why you get a flu shot. The problem with all these things is that, you know, like it's it's like, you know, it, it you survived it. So you feel like, oh, it's not that big a deal. Yeah. But if you didn't survive it, you're not around to testify that you <laughs> right. that it sucked, you know. <laughs> So, anyway. Is that the uh, solution to the anti-vaxxers to have, like, the ghosts come back? And yeah, that would be. <laughs> yeah. That would be. I'm sure they would love to come back and say, hey, idiots. Get vaccinated. Yeah. Sorry. This is a topic that's on all our minds because we've now had two confirmed cases in Iowa. Yeah, so. that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's going to be every, I mean, it's going to be everywhere. I saw that news article and I texted my mom to be like, thank you so much for making sure I got my measles. Yeah. Well, you know, the first, kid. the first thing I am 49 years old. The first thing I did, well, yeah. The first thing I did was, was call my mom and I knew damn well she would have the record. She mm -hmm. had the records because I wanted to find out if I would, if I had been immunized once or twice, because apparently mm -hmm. if you were only yeah. immunized once, which was possible back in my day, um, you might not be as immune as if you got the second vaccination. Fortunately, I had both, so I don't have to. I don't have to go in and, and get that. I knew she would have it. She's such a good, my mom is, my mommy is such a good mommy. Moms are the best. Right? So, she was able to, she was able to actually send me a photograph of the baby book where she had oh, listed yeah. all, all of my vaccinations. And I'm like, shit, we don't have that for her. So our babies. I missing you a polio. Were you really? Yeah, I got my last polio like eight months ago, I think, to get into men's school. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how that happened, but I don't have polio, everyone. Well, that's fine. good. Okay. okay. Yay. Um, I understand there were birds at the College of Medicine today. Yay. Actually, yes. I have pictures. I was there. <laughs> what good, were the, good transition. Nailed it. Ju <laughs> Justin uh, Sipla, mm -hmm. who is the course director for Neuro. 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 That's neurology to all of the oh, yeah. bloods Thank out there. You. Thank you. Um, 
brought his birds today. Why did he bring his bird? What what was the circumstances of him bringing his birds? We demanded that. Yeah, he we bring asked his him parents. to. We asked wellness. him to politely. <laughs> Doctor Sipple is a is a is a para- parrot uh, aficionado, right? I think he's Rescuer. the he's the president of Iowa Parrot, parrot Rescue. Rescue. Is he the president? I, no, he mentioned I, maybe he was once. I don't know. He <laughs> kind of mentioned it today. He might. Have I was involved. looking at the parrots and not really paying attention to what it was saying. <laughs> They were beautiful. Do you remember what their names were? Uh, one- Skyler and Caribe. Caribe. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Like the first day of Neuro in order to like, he dressed up all the slides as different pictures of his parrots. And so he introduced us to all his it was, parrots. It was like a, he was teasing us about memory and long term yeah. and short term yeah. memory. And he's like, I bet by the end of this lecture, you won't remember the names of my parrots. And we didn't. We didn't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can't speak for everyone. I didn't. So he, he brought them in to talk about memory. Right. This well, he didn't the, bring no. them in. This was like we kind of had a potluck today for one of our learning communities. And mm-hmm. so I think someone emailed him to be like, hey, if we're having this potluck, will you please bring your parrots? Because you at because he did say during Neuro, when the weather gets warmer, I'm going to bring my parrots yeah. and you can meet my parrots. So it's like, hey, the weather's warmer and we've got a potluck. Do you want to bring? Yeah, your it's parrots? like you guys have been counting down the minutes. before <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. Ask him. So excited. He's been talking about them since January. Yeah. yeah. He loves them and I love them. Yeah. He has eight of them and they converted their master bedroom into like a, what's it called? Aviary? An aviary. Yeah. So like they keep the temperature up and have like a bathroom attached so that they can, you know, clean up and stuff. But yeah. Wow. Crazy. Oh, by the way, did we all get to hold the parrot? Mm-hmm. I could have held the parrot and I decided not to after I saw the parent parrot poop all over. <laughs> that, <laughs> like, that's oh. a fair life choice. I have exactly one personal experience with parrot and that is being pissed on. <laughs> the, I swear to God, when I was, uh, I must have been 12, I'm thinking. I was in a, uh, I was in a pet store in the bird room mm-hmm. and I swear to God, this bird aimed at me <laughs> and let out the most prodigious stream of urine that was, you know, you know what lam- laminar flow is? <laughs> you know do. what I'm talking we, about? Yes, we yes. do. Yes. This bird's perfectly laminar flow of piss was all over me. And uh, I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I guess I'm not traumatized by it, but at the same time, it's definitely something I remember. You sound it's traumatized. It's probably a sign that he trusts you. Well, yeah. I'm not, tra- I'm not traumatized. <laughs> you think? <laughs> According I'm to not Zippa. traumatized because I went out there and I did not even remember that event off the top of my head until just now. So okay, but uh, lions do that too. I was wearing white pants too. So. Oh my gosh, because <laughs> as one does in the eighties. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they were pretty cool. That was fun. You said they all talk. Yeah. That must be one yeah. noisy hustle. Yeah. <laughs> but he said that when he turns off the light and says good night, they're like quiet for the whole night. Oh, okay. So. All right, yeah. that's fine then. They're trained well. That's fine. He also he also said that like if the parrot gets he was talking specifically about Skylar and if the parrot gets annoyed that you're in the room, we'll just go goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> they seem uh, remarkably remarkably smart uh, to hear to hear Doctor Sipla tell it. Yeah, yeah. Um, they live like longer than average human. Like he was saying, Skylar mm-hmm. could live until he's 85. And I think like median yeah. life expectancy in the U.S. is like 77. In, in captivity, I think they live okay. longer. Mm-hmm. Wow. But that's a, that's, it's, it's a long time. Yeah. I, like, I feel <laughs> like. make I, a will for your bird. Yeah, really. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like I heard him mention something about like they have a lot of pyramidal neurons. Like I know I heard him yeah, mention that. Yeah, because of course he, we are, we are like <laughs> looking at the pretty birds, pretty birds. And he's like talking about neurology. Yeah. About yeah. The birds. yeah. <laughs> But what, I are, think, what are pyramidal neurons? I have they're, no idea. I, I think they're the neurons, and I want to say they're the neurons involved in like memory and learning. Oh, I want to okay. say this was like four months ago, so I'm probably very wrong. The memory and learning did not occur. <laughs> it did not. It did not happen. My neurons were not firing, but like apparently Those they are the ones like, in the cortex, right? And then the is it the cortex or the hippocampus? I guess kind of the same difference, but yeah. <laughs> fact check us, please. Yeah. <laughs> pyramidal neurons. Sure. Yeah, I think yeah, pyramidal. Yeah, whatever. They're a type of, uh, I, from what I know, they are a type of multipolar neuron found in areas of the brain, including the cerebral cortex, the hippocampus, and the amygdala. Ah. You are oh, both hippocampus. Right. Those hippocampus. Those <laughs> Heck yeah. Yeah. So, I guess wow, I did. Dave, you're so smart. Well, I was listening to Dr. Sipple and said, looking at his pretty birds. <laughs> This is the problem. This is the problem with uh, visual aids. You know, like sometimes you get distracted by the visual aid and not by the content. Oh, well. You also talked about how they get really attached like to each other or to a certain like um, person. And 
I don't know, when they feel threatened or something, they can like really hurt you when you get like attacked. Mm -hmm. And I was holding Skylar (laughs) as he's mentioning it. Yeah. And I was like freaked out. (laughs) Wait, did you, did you say whether you had to entice Skylar or was Skylar just like, Hey, I'm going to go over and hang out with Emma? (laughs) Oh, he handed it to me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was, and Skylar was just like, all right. That's, yeah, that's well, because cool. he said Skylar bonded with his wife, mm-hmm. and so if he, if Doctor Sipla is in the room and his wife is in the room, the bird gets afraid that Sipla is gonna like threaten his wife or something. Oh. So he'll like go after him yeah. to protect Sipla's wife. Wow, yeah. that's, that's cute. It's cute. It's also so little scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he yeah. said that when his wife is making fun of him and laughing about it, like Skylar can pick up on that and will laugh like with her. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. I was trying to figure out, like, during his, you know, during his discussion, whether or not, like, this was all just us anthropomorphizing these, <laughs> these, you know, admittedly smart creatures, or, or if they were really sort of thinking about, you yeah. know, these things. It's, it's sort of hard for me to, well, to, to tell. I mean, humans will anthropomorphize anything. Like, yeah, we we're pretty good. Anthropomorphize robots that went to Mars. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like <laughs> they have a stock that looks vaguely like eyes. It's now my pet. Like. <laughs> Yeah, super interesting. So, oh, good. That was a little unexpected. A bit of fun it was today. A good morning. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's one of the reasons Didn't I'm less than prepared done. for this podcast yeah. because I was like, I'm gonna go look at the pretty birds too. <laughs> so, what's the next topic on the parrot coat podcast? Uh, <laughs> well, um, you know, given the uh, the uh, use of the Brady Bunch to justify anti-vax app, uh, uh, ideas, I thought we'd play a little game. Based on uh, old old television shows, uh, um, we'll call it uh, "Name That Med Tune." So, I'm going to play a snippet. I'm going to play a medical drama theme song, and we'll see if you can remember the name of the series. I feel like I was born for this game. <laughs> Watch um, me just get them all wrong now. Wait, how do we answer? Do but we like, just just answer. Or? You know, the first person shout to shout out the correct okay. name. Uh, of the show will be the winner. All right. I'm guessing some of these will be super easy and some of these will be impossible. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Here we go. Great. It's going to be a tough one because it takes a while to get to the. Uh... Okay. <laughs> Think about it though. This is very pleasant. You all know this one. Head down the 405. Gotta meet the new boss by 8 a.m. I know like two shows. I so. feel like this is from Scrub. <laughs> you got it. Hey! I don't want to embarrass myself. I love you. You knew that long before you actually <laughs> I did. said it. Yeah. You gotta be, be confident in yourself. Oh, yeah, man. you gotta, you gotta, you know, just jump right in there. Well, as soon as it starts, everybody turns to look at me. Because <laughs> literally, you're the only one that watches medical shows uh, among the cast here. So oh, we're that just can't like, be true. Well, okay, I watched two of them. Yeah, yeah. I only know Scrubs and. A Grey's Anatomy. So. I've watched three Grey's Anatomy episodes. <laughs> oh, so this is going to be tougher than I imagined. <laughs> I had this idea that y'all cut your teeth on uh, on medical school. No, because not that's everyone is obsessed with med- studying, right? That's all I do is watch <laughs> like, medical well, shows. Well, listen, that's profiling, and I resent it. Uh, you're, you're right. I, d- I don't want to stereotype people. Um, fun fact, the hospital it was filmed in, Sacred Heart, is a real abandoned hospital. So they Ooh. were able to take advantage of an abandoned hospital. That's a little creepy. Other fun fact, <laughs> once I was traveling across Chicago, and my son had an anaphylactic reaction, and Siri directed me to an abandoned hospital. Uh-oh. Oh. Thanks, Siri. Fortunately, there was a nearby cop who could give us an escort to the to the hospital. And, of course, we had EpiPens and all that kind of stuff. Okay. So that so was fine. Wait, do you know where the sacred, what did you say? Heart? Sacred Heart? Where is that? It's in California somewhere. Oh, I feel like I recognize the name. But... Well, they, I mean, they used the name in the show. Oh, so maybe that's, that's, oh, that's why. <laughs> but it's also like, you know, Sacred Heart. It's like churches and yeah. hospitals often yeah. have that, you know. Mm-hmm. All right, let's try another one. Who can be first to call out the answer? This is ER. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm on season three, guys. Nice. Oh, you're, are you doing a rewatch or is this no, the first time? No, this is time? the first time. Yeah, my mom has been encouraging me for years. It's a good show. ER, and I finally got Hulu. So. There's a reason why this was a very popular show. It's, a, it's good. It's because George Clooney's in it. Well, that's yeah. fair. That's yeah. really fair. This was the show that <laughs> young this, George Clooney. This was the show that made him uh, 
the the guy he is today, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think anyway, <laughs> it's a show that made him the guy he is today for me anyway. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's try another one. Thanks for the pity point, Allison. You're I welcome. Appreciate it. That was so that was so easy. That was even you you jumped right in there even faster than with Scrubs. Is is it Well, because Scrubs, I, I have never I've seen like two episodes of Scrubs. Yeah. And I think that they don't use the whole thing. Yeah, they don't. Yeah. 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 House is also like it's a that's a very characteristic song, I feel. Like the Scrubs one is just like, I feel like this is most country songs. <laughs> Any guy like, with an acoustic guitar. Yeah, like this is this is my this is a guy down the road. But like <laughs> that's like that is the house song. I feel like uh maybe this isn't true, but if I feel like in the old days, the old days, um they used to take songs that already existed and turn them into TV show songs. And nowadays they compose, somebody composes a song specifically for the show. It probably depends. Yeah. Depends on your budget. All right. Let's try, uh, <laughs> let's try this one. Oh man. <laughs> Come on, Allison. <laughs> Um, That's all you get. So let's think of shows that I've never seen. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to guess um, the Good Doctor. I was actually gonna guess that. You but... guess something else? No, because the really guess know. New Amsterdam. Oh. Oh, oh, that's a good that's guess. That's a good guess. At Oh, you know what? I'm going to go for Chicago Med as oh, a guess. Wow. These are all shows that are not correct. Oh. <laughs> that, one, that one was The Resident. Oh, that oh, was my second oh, guess. There we go. Uh, yeah. Shoot. All right. Uh, here's another one. I don't know if you guys are going to... I don't think oh, you man. guys are going to get uh. the last two, but give it your best shot. Older, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's probably not, because I said that. <laughs> Could be bad audio. How awful. I feel like... <laughs> it sounds like The a doctors song. on this show definitely save lives. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm imagining somebody saving a baby right now. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to give you a hint. You mentioned during our pre-show chat that you like... Um, this kind of movie. Ooh, it's a historical romance. <laughs> Is it called The Midwife? No. Damn. Uh, Country of origin. There's another. Oh, it's U.S. Um, there's another. Sentence, there's another one. The female protagonist. Fifty percent of all TV shows. No, really? I don't. Probably not. I don't think it should so. be. It should be, but not. All right, I'll put you out of your misery. It's Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. Oh, no. Um, no. Clue. <laughs> no Sorry. Not a, not a Scooby. Not right. a well, Scooby add it to your list then. Because... There we go. It's on the queue. Uh, all right, last one. You're not going to recognize this at all. <laughs> it sounds like it's from the 80s. <laughs> yeah, it also sounds like it was played on somebody's Casio. <laughs> Like, there is no drama whatsoever in this song. <laughs> and I don't know if it even classifies as a medical drama now that I think about it, but it is one, it's a medical television You wouldn't show. classify it as sure? drama or you wouldn't classify okay. it as medical? It sounds no, like it's a medical. Show. <laughs> okay, I have a Just question. Just not dramatic. I don't think this is the right answer, but what was that show on USA about the guy that goes around and is like the home doctor for all the rich people? Um, ooh, <laughs> I know yeah, with Dr. the guy. Phil? No. <laughs> Yeah, no. Uh, and there was, yeah, there was the girl and the two guys, and yeah. he ate like trick cereal all the time or something. No, you guys <laughs> not, are all wrong. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't Dr. think it is. Like, no. Aw. That would have been a really good guess. It, it, it is a, a fictional, uh, well, I guess Dr. Oz is a <laughs> Dr. Oz is definitely fictional. It's a fictional character uh, driven show. See, I'm not even trying to guess the song at this point. I'm just really bothered by that USA show because I can't remember the name. <laughs> Yeah, this was uh, this was uh, big in my era, um, and it starred a very uh, uh, an accomplished uh, doctor who is extraordinarily young. Does that that sh this should if you know it at all? Anyone? Anyone at all? <laughs> no. Bueller. Uh, 
This is Doogie. Bueller. This is Doogie Hauser. You guys, oh, you guys are drawing a complete—I've heard the name. A complete blank. Yep, that is amazing. By the way, the name of that show was Royal Pains. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. The uh, the concept of this show is that Doogie Howser was this uh, this young prodigy. He like screamed through high school in like nine. In fact, the 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 opening credits of the show had all of these newspaper articles about how you know he achieved all these things so young. Um, you know, so he got through high school in like nine weeks and he went to med school at, and finished at, you know, 18 and, or finished his residency at 18 or whatever. Oh my God. Talk so, about accelerated progress. <laughs> yeah. That's a three year program. Yeah. So you can, uh, you know, whenever you're like, I don't know if I can do an accelerated program, just think of Doogie Hauser. I was going to say, I know I've heard of Doogie Hauser. If I've I... never had an like a cause to listen to. If it, I had a theme it. song like that, I might be able to do med school in three years. What a horrible, <laughs> what a horrible theme song. I don't know. It was peppy. You it was peppy. So? Yeah. It had no depth to it at all. Yeah. But people believe in you. <laughs> that's what matters. <laughs> I did want to play one more. I'm going to try to find it on YouTube. Okay. Um, see if you, because I, I didn't. After our resounding success. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, it was a dumb game after all. <laughs> I think uh, with the right with the right people playing. Yeah, well, that's I mean, you know, know your audience, Dave. <laughs> I had no help. Anyway, <laughs> sorry about my crappy uh, my crappy game. It was a fine game, Dave. Thank you, thank you. We just failed. Yeah, we just we just suck. Stop. Are you traumatized by your Oscar? Yeah, I think I'm extremely traumatized. Every conversation I talk about how terrible it was. Can we can we talk about why you felt this way? Why do you feel this way? I did not expect to get psychoanalyzed today. Yeah, they we can we I don't know how much we can talk about it, but we they like hyped it up. We had um a lecture where they like helped tell us what was going to be on this exam essentially and they're like you know it's just a really great opportunity for you guys to showcase what you've learned and That's to true. really shine Ooh. and then i walk out of there completely defeated well i clearly did not yeah. learn anything all yeah. year feeling like you're not shining but covered in yes. like garbage yeah by the way does know. our audience know what an oski is oh no that's uh well maybe yeah, not okay well, uh, just to, for, uh, uh, let me see if I can guess or remember. Mm. These are objective, structured, clinical examination. Yeah. Right? Awesome. Yeah, I thought the S was yeah. standardized. Or it could be standard. Uh, I thought it was structured. I don't know. I'm probably no wrong. Like I was wrong on every question <laughs> on the asking. You guys, you guys uh, call them fake patients sometimes. Simulated, Simulated patients. patients. Simulated patients. SPs. Yes. They're literally the best. We, we love them so much. They, they are very good. Great, yeah. They are so very good. So just as a quick primer for our audience, it's basically like a test of physical exam skills and interview skills. So you get like three or four patients and you're recorded doing, you know, all your skills. And then there's usually yeah. a couple of like, you know, you have to write a clinical note and do something. So basically just pretend to be a doctor and then we grade you on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is a little traumatizing for like type A nerds yeah, who are bad like, at talking to people. <laughs> <laughs> I screwed everything up. Oh, no. I'm sure you did better than you thought. It's like, did I show empathy enough? Do they still give you feedback right away? No, no. no. We are waiting probably at least a week, torturously. Yeah, because so, they have to review all the video footage of us just falling. So this isn't like the the uh, the patient instructors that they have. This is the no. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's usually there's like so when I used to work your... for the I used to work for that program a long time ago. It's been so long that that um, I'm not certain what they do anymore. Really. For physical exam skills for that portion, there's a like an SP in the room and an SP never teaches you your like exam skills. So they're the body and they get put on the <laughs> exam table. And then there is a PETA, which is physical exam teaching assistant. teaching assistant. And they are grading you. So there's two people in the room for that. And they're amazing and lovely and wonderful. Yeah, actually give a f- me a hundred. I actually have a funny <laughs> story about, um, sorry, if, if I may, I have a quick funny story about the Soski. So, like there's two different rooms, so all of the people administrating it have to have walkie-talkies. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, they were like, okay, so they make sure everyone's ready before you know you move to your next station. And one of the people over the walkie-talkie said, um, "Hold on, twenty-three isn't ready. One of the bodies has to change clothes." What I heard was, <laughs> "Like, hold on, there's a body." <laughs> and like the entire room just went. Hammer? <laughs> What's going on? 
They call them bodies? They yeah. call them bodies, yeah, because yeah, they're not really supposed to like talk to you, which is kind of disconcerting, but they're not supposed to talk to you or interact with you because the exam is how well you can do a physical, mm-hmm. not necessarily oh. like how like nice or empathetic you are. It's just that, testing, do you know right. the skills? That is a wrinkle I had not heard. Yeah, okay. for yeah. that specific portion, you're not graded on empathy. Um, for for the patient interviews, you definitely are. But for the physical exam part, you're not. And they specifically give you, like, normally we always practice our physical skills on PETAs. But for the exams, we do it on SPs because SPs don't know what you're supposed to do. So they don't want you, like, a PETA might accidentally, like, move a garment or something and give us a clue. So they give us SPs so that they don't know what's going but on. But these are, I mean, to be clear, these are actual humans. Yes, yes they, they are. <laughs> they're not like dead they're not humans. They're and they're not, <laughs> they are not. And they're not mannequins. They're no. not mannequins. They're actual people that, okay. yeah, we call bodies. I yeah, mean, it's weird. I kind of wish they wouldn't do that because I don't it like is it. But it is, it's just like, excuse me, body, hey. while I go and do this. You know. Well, I mean, you know, a lot of this is to get you prepared for your uh, your step two clinical skills yeah. in the future. Mm-hmm. Well, well, you know, also to just teach you uh, physical exam skills. Yeah, and that ostensibly kind of stuff. it's also to prep us for going into clinic as well. Yeah, because it's like these are things that, like, when you get on the wards, you know, you're at least my understanding is that your um, attending is going to expect you to at least have a grasp of how to do yep. a physical and how to, you know, do a head and neck exam. So, yep, eighteen years ago is when I arrived, and they were just starting up this this program oh. so it's it's gotten much much bigger uh since since that day anyway yay yay that is the end of our show you guys um thank you for joining me on the show today pleasure yeah thanks for having us i hope you'll come back jenna yeah will you come back don't don't it's don't okay me, i want to write on the spot you know what don't give me an empty promise <laughs> just say would i at this moment Knowing what I know right now, will you return? Yes. Yay! Whoa. That is bullshit. Aww, he's <laughs> anyway. Oh, and, he's and, crying. And what, kind of, yeah, <laughs> and what kind of terrible human being would I be if I didn't thank you listeners for making us a part of your week, for all your questions, and for your supportive t-shirt orders. Thank the you, short listeners. Code, the store. They're really cool. Um, if you're new here and you like what you heard today, subscribe to our show on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. We're in all those places. Uh, we love answering listener questions, so send your questions or whatever you like to theshortcoats at gmail.com, and we will talk about it on the show. Uh, oh, one more thing, by the way. While your podcast app is open, uh, go ahead and uh, leave us a review. It's that's all I'm asking. Leave us a review of the show. If it's a five-star review, so much the better. If it's a one-star review, I will cry. <laughs> uh, the show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine Student Government and ongoing support from the Writing and Humanities Program. Our executive producer is Jason Lewis. Our opening music is by Dr. Vox. And our closing music is by Catmosphere. Talk to you in one week.